It is a beautiful morning. Psalm 118 says, this is the day the Lord has made for us to do what? Rejoice and be glad. Amen. No reason to be depressed. I'd rather be here than the best hospital in America. How about you? Amen. I'd rather be here than the best jail. I'd rather be here than anywhere. <laughs> hey, as we get started this morning, I just had a scripture rolling around in my heart just a minute ago. I wanted to share with you out of uh, Hebrews chapter 10. It says in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Everybody say full assurance, full assurance. of faith. That's how I'm drawing near. Amen. We can draw near today because of what God's done for us in the spirit realm. We draw near now as a response in our heart, our spirit and our soul coming into alignment. And so we want to pull out a really, really old song written by Fanny Crosby called Blessed Assurance. How many of you remember that old hymn? Amen. And I believe the spirit of God is just going to breathe it fresh to us again this morning. So let's all stand as we just get focused on the Lord and begin our day with praise in him. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, Oh 
teach a real simple song to you this morning. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. How? With all my love. That's all there is to it. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. With all my love. Oh, let's sing that again. I love you, Lord. I love you.
with all our hearts for God. Could you love us so? standing next to you this morning and you may be seated praise the Lord Well, good morning, everyone. It's been a great conference, huh? I've enjoyed just listening to all our speakers and teachers, and it's just, it's good. It's, it's fresh, and it's good. Well, uh, yesterday I uh, gave away an um, application, a registration, $100 registration fee, and again, this was a uh, Leland Shores memorial scholarship type thing and you know what we've had uh, I forget how many but uh, we have some more is what I'm trying to say and I have one more I'm going to give away right now now in order to receive this uh, $100 registration you just have to guarantee us that you're going to complete the application today and that you are going to come we don't want a faith one <laughs> we want the real thing okay so if any of you are interested in coming um, someone has scholarshiped a registration fee for you, so who wants it? You got to run up here. Ashley needs it, but he's not going to get it. Come on up. Come on up. What's that? Lawson's going to do ten more? Is that what you said? Oh, one more. All right. I tried. I tried. And uh, just to let you know, um, we are... We are um, having, uh, again, as a reminder, we are having our uh, Karis Bible College informational meeting, a time where you could register, ask questions. We're going to be answering questions about our day school. We have a night school. Um, we have the correspondence. We have online. Um, we have a VA program. We are approved uh, for veterans under the post-9-11 GI Bill. Foreign students, we can do the M1, F1, something visa. So we have, we've about taken every excuse away from you for not to come. 
And uh, but anyway, we're just and we'll have a time of question and answers. Meet some of the staff, and uh, we'll be in there for about an hour. So I just want to encourage you to uh, to attend that meeting immediately following the session. And um, it's going to be in the room right next to the product room. There's a, another room just to the left of that, and that's where we will be meeting. And then we will also be uh, giving away a few more um, registrations and, and things that way, too. And uh, now it's uh, time for Pastor Lawson. Pastor Barb, are you going to come up, too? And um, Pastor Lawson, obviously this is church. They were introduced the, the first evening. And um, Pastor Lawson's been teaching probably for about, what, 10 years or so in the yeah. school? And uh, teaches quite a few courses, and another one of the favorites of the students. And uh, Pastor Barb is, uh, teaches an elective on priorities. They have three great children, young men, and um, they're just a fine example to the body of Christ. And they just share their hearts to the students, and just a real blessing. So let's give a warm welcome. Praise God. Amen. So good to see everybody. Praise God. God is so good to us and we're excited to be here. And I, I teach quite a bit in the church, in the school. I used to teach like eight hours a year. Now I teach six or eight hours a week. So like six first year courses and sometimes a second year course and a second year elective three times a year, morning and night, not time one. And then a third year course in pastoring. So we just love it, praise God, and we love being a part here. We're just so honored to be here, and we just have great respect for Andrew and Jamie and the Bible school. And I was so excited when Andrew started the Bible school. It just, I, he didn't have it going when I went to Bible school, and so uh, I wasn't able to come here. But when he started, I'm like, praise God. So uh, we're, we have a table in the back, and you can find out more about our church and our ministry and um, we're giving away these CDs free. This is the prayers of Paul. And I'm going to be teaching one of the messages of this. Somebody want this here? Come get it. Somebody come get it. <laughs> uh, Ashley, come help me. And then uh, Barbara has an eight-hour teaching on priorities in life. And Barbara has a tremendous amount of revelation in the home and raising children. And she calls it faith, family, and ministry. Who would like that? Give that to somebody. And then you have to hurry. And then uh, my sons, this is my oldest son and my uh, middle son. Aaron is my oldest son. He was playing the flute here with Jamie and playing on the worship team. He's in a summer uh, orchestra in Breckenridge, Colorado. And uh, he had a couple of days off, so we got him right back over here. He had a concert Saturday night and actually drove in after his concert, got here at 12, 15 in the morning Sunday, came to church, and then... Monday morning, he had to leave at just before 4 o'clock in the morning, so headed back out and went back up there, did three concerts on Monday, and then came back on Tuesday so he could be here. We had him a little bit Tuesday night and then Wednesday, and so we were just honored to have him, and then he headed back up Thursday. And so uh, that's all about love. This is three songs that my boys wrote, and then it's contemporary praise and worship. From somebody, piano and, yeah, piano and flute, praise God. We have those back at the back table. It's back in the back, and some more information about the church. This one's something that I just recently preached, and uh, Andrew Womack actually came to hear me preach one of these. He snuck in the back, and I didn't even know he was here, and I was preaching about him. <laughs> so, uh, praise God, he said it ministered to him. So, this is called The Name of the Lord, and this is on the names of God, and reveals the character of God. Give it to this lady right here in the yellow shirt with the light hair. <laughs> praise God. Yeah, right there. 
And uh, this is something I just got done. In fact, this is the first one that will go out. It's called Joshua, Developing Godly Leaders. And I have a number of series on leadership. Praise God, and we need leaders in the church. Praise God. And, and uh, praise God, Ashley will give this to whoever he wants to. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> but I asked Barbara before I share... Uh, if she would just exhort you really quick. And I have great respect for my wife, Barbara. She's a tremendous blessing to me, our family, and to the church and the body of Christ. And so she's also a teacher at Karis Bible College, and, and I have great respect for her. Praise God. Well, praise the Lord. I just want to reiterate what Daniel already shared just a little bit ago. Psalm 118.24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. If you believe it, what are you going to do? Rejoice and be glad in it. Isn't that awesome? Every day you wake up, you have a couple of choices to make. You can see the day that God has made for you and all of its abundant opportunities, or you can focus on your surroundings and your circumstances and your lack. And personally, I refuse to focus on lack. Every day I am going to keep my focus and my trust in God alone and then you can't help but wake up excited when you see that God has made this day for you and you believe that he abundantly loves you and has only abundant good things in store for you. You know, we started two churches. We started one in the uh, agriculture area or small, or I should say, um, southeast area of the state of Colorado. And then we came here and we did all this while raising a family. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so... When we started these churches, there was no buildings, there was no parsonages, there was no uh, benefit packages or salaries or health or um, life insurance or anything like that. And like I said, we were raising our family. And especially when we, well, when we um, started the first church, rather than sit around when we gathered at the table, like I said, you can choose to focus on the goodness and abundance of God or the lack. And I would just tell my children at the first church plant, With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. You can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. And then um, I would tell them that they were fearfully and wonderfully made, that they had purpose, that they were unique. Then when we moved here, they were teenagers. That wasn't on our wish list to start another church when our kids became teenagers. You know, when they were little, I could go to a store and buy a whole three-piece outfit for $10. You know, the little bow tie and everything, and that kind of changed. And so I would tell them things like, we never use the word, we can't afford it. We might say, we will not be buying that today, but we would never say, we can't afford it. And so as they became teenagers, rather than sit around the table and say, you know, your dad's a pastor, and he doesn't have money to buy you a car, and we don't have college funds, and, you know, there's a hurting, dying world out there. I didn't say that. I said, you can have whatever kind of car you can buy. I never put a limit on them. I never said what kind of car pastor's kids should drive. I just said, you can have whatever kind of car you can buy. When our youngest son was 17, he bought a Mercedes. Mint condition, one car only, garage its whole life, sunroof, leather interior, 50,000 original miles. He still has that. And then we just kept telling him, you are marvelously and wonderfully made. Anyway, we just recently had two sons graduate with their masters this past May. Amen. And this is all glory to God. 
They don't even glory in their own efforts. They give glory to God, what he's done in their life. Our youngest son is currently enrolled in an Ivy League school back east. But this is the difference when you wake up and you see God in his abundant goodness and his love for you and not lack. Don't focus. It's your choice what you focus on. It is your choice, and then it is your choice what you speak over yourself, over your family. And I tell you, the word of God is alive and powerful. Amen. Can you shout hallelujah? Praise Jesus. And just a little bit before uh, I start, I want to tell you a little bit about the church. If, you, if you're here or if you're coming here and you don't have a church home, we'd love to, love to have you come to Caris Christian Center. And we uh, meet at 8.30 on Sunday mornings. We have a short service from 8.30 to 9.45. And then our regular service is from 10 o'clock until noon. And we have a great time. Praise God. And I'll tell you what, if you come here, we're not going to cry in the beer and we're not going to baby you. And so if you're wanting to cry in the beer and baby your church, don't come here, praise God, because we're not going to do it. Amen? We're going to give you the word and we're going to help you grow. Our goal is to make disciples in every area, from the children to the youth, from the little kids, and praise God. Did you know what? The word is working. We've had kids come here. We had a little child that he was like four or five years old. And they said he was way behind. The family came from Holland. They said he needed to be in special education. He had all these problems. And he came here and they teach the scriptures in our preschool. And in a little bit, did you know what? He went back to Holland at Christmas time and he started telling his grandparents the scriptures in German. And then he would tell them to everybody else in English. And they took him back to the specialist and they said he doesn't need any special education. He's went from the bottom to the top. Praise God. And he totally changed. Did you know what? The Word of God will change your life if you'll believe it. Amen? And the Word will work. God is no respecter of persons. He's a respecter of faith. And so, like I said, this may not be your church home. There's a lot of different churches here. There's a lot of good churches here. But uh, if you're looking for one, we'd love to have you come. Praise God. We have some awesome things happening. We're super excited. We've been on television for a number of years. Uh, We've been on six days a week in our local community with just a real basic broadcast, but we just uh, got time uh, nationwide. We're going on in October, the first uh, Tuesday of October. It's going to push us to get this ready, but uh, we're going on nationwide on direct TV right behind Joseph Prince on Tuesday. It'll be at 2.30 p.m. on the East Coast, 1.30 Central Time, 12.30 here and and 11.30 on the West Coast, and we're super excited. It's going to reach 21.7 million homes That's one-fifth of the U.S. market. And praise God, we're going to another dimension. Andrew prophesied over Barbara and I several years ago, and he said, you are in the second stage of a five-stage plan that God has for our life. And as I prayed about that and meditated, the Lord just just directed me the things that He had put in me since I'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you know, at that point in time, we'd been in the ministry full-time nearly 20 years. It was like 18 years when He gave us that word. And the Lord said the first stage was the church in Kit Carson and the second stage is the church here. And out of this church there will, be, there will come three major ministries. And He just showed me what they are. Praise God. And we're getting ready to go into the next net major uh, area of ministry. And we're going to go nationwide. I believe that we're going to go worldwide. And we're going to preach the message of grace all around the world. Praise God. I want you to open your Bible today to Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to be sharing a little bit uh, from these messages that I just recently taught on the prayers of Paul uh, in my church. And I want you to understand that the prayers of the epistles 
are fundamentally different than the prayers of the Old Testament. In the prayers of the Old Testament, most prayers were prayed out of a, 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 a sense of lack or need or out of fear. And did you know what? I recently was uh, in, invited to go to a citywide prayer meeting and pray for this city and pray for the educational system, so on and so forth, and represent our church and the Bible school. And when I went, some of these people were praying, and I was just furious. <laughs> because what they were praying had absolutely no focus on Christ and His finished work, and they were praying these things that were completely unscriptural for a New Testament. And this, the people that were praying these things were from a big charismatic church, and it just made me mad. And I began to think about this, and I began to meditate on how Paul prayed in his letters and in his epistles. And did you know what? It just, it really was revelation to me. But as you look at the prayers of Paul, there's literally no focus whatsoever on lack, on failure, on weakness, or inadequacy. But the failure is, first of all, on who Christ is. Secondly, it's on who we are in Christ. Thirdly, it's on what God has called us to do in Christ. And last of all, it's uh, on what God has invested in us at the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And did you know what? If you begin to understand who Jesus is, who you are in Christ, what God's called you to do, and what God invested in you at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it will completely change the way that you live your life. Praise God. And you're not, we're not just a beggar just trying to get through. Praise God. Did you know what? This is our place. The heaven, even the heavens, the Bible says, are the Lord's, but the earth has He given to the children of men. This is our place of authority. God gave us authority and dominion on the earth. Praise God. And we are blessed. We are highly favored of the Lord. Amen. And did you know what? When you begin to understand this, it will completely change the way that you live your life. And so I want you to look with me at Ephesians chapter 3. We'll begin reading. And you find these prayers of Paul just as a summary in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to verse 23. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to verse 21. Then in Philippians chapter 1 and then in Colossians chapter 1, you find these prayers of Paul. Praise God. And did you know what? The Old Testament really is a progressive revelation of who God is. And, and, and God revealed Himself a little bit at a time to the children of Israel, and they begin to understand who he, who he is. Then in the, new, in the Gospels, we see Jesus, and Jesus is a revelation of the Father. He said, He that has seen me it has seen the Father. The words that I speak, they are my Father's words. And the works that I do, they are my Father's works. And so the Old Testament is this progressive revelation of who God is. And then Jesus was God on display. He was the visible rep representative of the invisible God. But in the epistles, you find out the God who revealed Himself gradually in the Old Testament and revealed Himself in Christ has come to live on the inside of you. And everything that God is, is now in you in Christ. And did you know what? When God was working in Christ, He was working on us and God did in Christ what He wanted to do in every man. You look a whole lot better in Christ than you do outside of Christ. Amen? And you need to begin to see yourself in Christ. And if you will see yourself in Christ, did you know what? You are a miracle going somewhere to happen. Praise God. 
Like Barbara said, we don't focus in our family on lack. We don't focus on that we can't do it. We say we can do anything that God called us to do. We have everything that we need to do what God called us to do. We don't focus on it in, in our church. Thank God I have my people confess on a regular basis. Praise God. We have a rich pastor. We're going to a rich church. We are rich. We have everything that we need. That may offend you if you're religious. But the Bible says that, did you know what? It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. And He adds no sorrow with it. Praise God. Toiling does not add to it. And I'm here to tell you that we're experiencing that in our life. Praise God. I'm here to tell you that the Word is working. Amen? The Word works. Amen. If you'll believe the Word, the Word will work for you. Thank God. Amen. So I want to share before I get done with my time on this message from Ephesians chapter 3. I'm so excited. You just have to forgive me. I get a little bit excited once in a while. Amen. Yeah, I can't help it. Praise God. It's exciting. The Word's exciting. But here in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul prays for this church and he begins in verse 14 and he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages of the world without end. Amen. So when you look at this scripture, there's a number of things that we begin to see. The first thing that we see in verse 14 and verse 15 is we see the position of prayer. The position of prayer. Now, I know a lot of people are thinking, for this cause I bow my knees. In fact, I've had a picture of the praying man. Praise God. And I remember Bobby Jean Merck, who came to our church years ago, and Kit Carson gave me a picture of the praying man. But on the inside of that, it was in a note card. She put a, a note, and I still remember this word. Increase shall be a key word for your life. Praise God. And did you know what increase has been a key word for our life? But when we're talking about the position of prayer, we're not talking about what you're doing physically. We're talking about what's happening spiritually. And he said, and what he said, I bow my knees to the Father of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named. This is the position that we pray in. God is my Father and I am in His family. How many of you know when you understand that God is your Father and that you are in His family... It completely changes how you pray. Thank God. Amen. God is my Father and I am in His family. Now, Jesus was a person of prayer. And I want to show you something here in Luke chapter 11. Turn with me to Luke chapter 11. And let's read the first four verses of Luke chapter 11. I want you to see. You know, there are many times that Jesus went out while He was on the earth and He prayed all night to God in His earthly ministry. Did you know what? If you'll spend a long time praying in private, you don't have to spend a long time praying in public. Praise God. Amen. You spend time with God. Now, I know Andrew kind of plays down the prayer thing. 
But I personally know Andrew. And did you know what? He takes one day a week where he walks around the mountain and just talks to God. I don't know what you call that, but I call that prayer. Amen? <laughs> Communicating with God. And I find out too many of us, when we're praying, we're doing all the communicating and we need to take time to listen to what God is speaking back to us. Amen? How many of you know that God wants to say some things to you? And God will direct. The Bible says that the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. And He delights in His way. I believe that God can delight in you. And you can delight in Him as you spend time in fellowship with your Father. And then you do what He says. Praise God. And God wants to direct you in your church, in your family, in your business, in everything that you do. Did you know what? God wants to bless you. It's not a problem with God, but a lot of times we're in the way. And we need to get ourselves out of the way. But Jesus makes a statement here in Luke chapter 11. Notice what it says. First of all, it says, It came to pass as He was praying in a certain place, when He ceased, one of His disciples said unto Him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught His disciples. So as Jesus was praying, there was something about Jesus' prayer. When, when the disciples noticed it, it motivated them. They wanted to pray. Why? Because they had been seeing these Pharisees and Sadducees pray. And did you know what? They saw these people who were coming up sounding trumpets saying, I tithe, I fast, I do all these different things. But when Jesus prayed, there was something about His prayer that motivated them to want to pray. And the reason was God was His Father and He was praying out of a relationship with God. When you pray out of a relationship with God, understanding that God is your Father, it will change how you pray. Do you know what? My sons as a whole know that I want to do good things for them. And they know that they don't have to come to me as a beggar. They are not beggars. They know that I'm their father. And if I have it in my power to bless them, if they come to me, did you know what? I'm going to do everything I can within reasonable <laughs> sense to help them, to bless them. Why? Because they're my sons and I love them. And so when, when you begin to understand this relationship, it changes how you pray. Jesus had a relationship with His Father and He prayed out of this relationship. And did you know what? It changed. The, the disciples noticed this difference. It wasn't religious works. It wasn't religious recitation. And He said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Our prayers need to be focused on who God is. If you understand who He is, it changes how you pray. He is our provider. He is our healer. He's our deliverer. He's our peace. He's our sanctification. He's our righteousness. And He is always there. He will never leave us or forsake us. Pray realizing and understanding who God is. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Secondly, our prayers ought to be focused on, on God's desire. We need, we need to find out what God's desire is. Did you know what? A lot of times we're going someplace and we're asking God to bless what we're doing instead of getting instructions from God and doing what God said. And when you get instructions from God and do what God said, the blessing is already there. Amen. The blessing is there. Did you know what? Before we came to Colorado Springs, there was a lady in our church. We had shared it with our church. And she, she said... Lawson, Pastor Lawson, do you know where God is for you? This is when we were still in Kit Carson, getting ready to come here. 
I said, I said, no. She said, God is in Colorado Springs. He's waiting for you to get there. And when you get there, the blessing of the Lord is going to be there. And it has been. Praise God, it has been. And that word was very true. And so we need to pray, your will be done. Right? You'll find out what God's purpose, what God's direction for you is, where God wants you to go. There's no lack. Amen. Amen. Where God's called you to do. Praise God. If God's called you to do something, did you know what? You may have to put a demand on some things that He's provided for you, but there's provision already there. He says, give us this day our daily bread. God's provision for us. And last of all, forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone that is debted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The freedom that we have been given in Christ. This is more of a statement of faith. God, you are delivering us. You are forgiving us. Thank God. How many of you know that we are forgiven and that we are delivered? So when we, um, when we pray, did you, I believe it's with this focus. Now let's look at a scripture here in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is talking about this same thing. And in verse 7 and verse 8, He says, But when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their much speaking. So I, I don't believe that He was saying this is the exact prayer that you need to pray. I just believe that he was saying some principles. You need to pray in relationship to who God is, in relationship to what God wants done, God's purpose, in relationship to His provision, His and His deliverance and freedom that has already been given to us, His forgiveness. Praise God. Don't beg God for forgiveness. Understand that you've already been forgiven. See, many people are more focused on their failure than they are focused on what Christ did. You know, when I was giving the altar call last Sunday, the, the Lord gave me a word. And Andrew's been preaching this all week, but it's so powerful. He said, nothing that you have ever done or nothing that you will ever do in any way compares with what Jesus has already done for you. Now, you can take that in a negative context or you can take that in a positive context. Nothing that I have ever done or nothing that I ever will do in any way compares with what God has already done for me in Christ. Thank God. And so look at this. Jesus was saying, he said, don't use vain repetitions. We're not praying these same prayers over and over and over and over. This is really more of a pattern for praying that he was teaching us. For they think they will be heard for their much speaking. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what things you have need of before you ask Him. God already knows what I need before I ask Him. Amen? God has it all in His mind. He understands it. He's got it all figured out. And really, all I'm trying to do is come line up with His purpose and His plan. And I believe that when you find that, did you know what? It's not hard. It's not challenging. Praise God. It's just like Barbara talking about our children. Did you know what? Our children have went to top schools. When my oldest son got the first, uh, he, he only applied for the top flute schools in the nation, found out only four of them were accepting undergraduate uh, students, out four out of the six that he applied to, and he got accepted out, out of three out of the four. And when he got the first letter, uh, letter from Carnegie Mellon, I said, well, you're not going there because of what the price was. He said, what's the matter, Dad? Don't you have faith? <laughs> and I preach faith to my children and they believe. And did you know what? I just, I put it back on him. I said, well, if you go there, this is what I'm willing to do, but you'll have to do the rest. 
And did you know he went to Carnegie Mellon University, graduated with honors, and it was like a $200,000 education, and we owe like $11,000. We're going to have to clean up here in a little bit, but almost nothing. And then there were like 100 students that auditioned for one position at Rice University, and he got that one position. His master's was completely paid for. He just graduated with that. My, my son, Andrew, graduated uh, from Colorado School of Mines as a chemical engineer. He was the outstanding chemical engineering graduate. He graduated in four years with a master's degree. It takes the average person five years to get a BA there. And did you know what? He's got a job in engineering design in Denver, exactly what he wants to be doing. He is blessed, blessed, blessed. He has the favor of God all over his life. All of my children have tremendous favor. My son Peter is going to Princeton University. And when he's, he, Peter started saying when he was in seventh grade, he said, don't worry about my college, it's going to be paid for. Then when he got to be in 11th grade, he said, I'm going to go to Princeton University. And it's hard to get in Princeton University. And I didn't know about it. It cost 53000 plus to go to college there a year. And did you know what? Um, my son Aaron was raising money at Carnegie Mellon to help pay for his education. And he, he, said, he said, Dad, if he gets accepted at Princeton, they have like a $13 billion endowment. Don't discourage him from going there. It'll almost all be paid. And did you know what? It's just all being paid. We pay a little bit, but it's almost nothing. It's less than it would cost me to put him through Pikes Peak Community College down here, and then I'd have to buy the groceries. (laughs) Boy, when my kids are home, my grocery bill goes up by three times. And did you know what? He's there. He's a leader of of a group called the Princeton Faith in Action. And in the, I'll give you a testimony about this, but there's two uh, evangelical groups on campus. And four years ago, they only had about a total of about 20 kids. They have over 400 kids that are involved in these things. And they have Peter sending out an email like every week to all these kids that are involved in this. He's like a pastor. He's sending out an outline every week from the Bible, from the Word of God. We've met from the head of the Christian Union there. He said, your family is unique. For pastor's kids, he said, this just doesn't happen. Praise God, but it does happen. The Word's working, and we just thank God for His goodness and His grace to us. But did you know what? We're not focusing on lack. We're focusing on God as our provider. Praise God. And He knows what we have need before we ever need it. Well, this is Peter's second year in Princeton University, and as he's there, did you know what? They, they said, we want you to meet the family that's paying for most of your scholarship. So Peter went to meet this family, and he met the grandson or the great-grandson of the man that initially put the funds in an account or in investments for, for, for missionaries' kids to go to Princeton University. This guy did this. His, great, his great-grandfather or grandfather did this in the 1800s. And did you know what? Over a hundred years before my son was born, there was provision for him to go to college. And so when they asked, when they asked him about this, did you know what? My, they said, are any of you missionaries kids? And Peter said, well, I'm not a missionaries kid, but my dad is a pastor and we support missions all around the world. And they, they were so excited that Peter is there and they're paying for him. Amen. Something like $50,000 a year they're giving him. And we just thank God, amen, for his provision for our family. Amen. Did you know what? If you go where God calls you to go and do what God calls you to do, amen, there is provision. Amen. 
There is more than enough provision for whatever God's called you to do. Amen? And you need to get your focus on God. And so, when you look at this Scripture in Matthew chapter 6, He said, your Father has need of it, knows what you need before you even get there. Provision has already been made for your life. Amen. Provision was made for your life before you were born. The Bible says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 that God saved us and called us with a holy calling according to His purpose and grace before the foundation of the world. There is more than enough provision for every need that is in this world. The fact is we just need to tap into the provision that is already there. Praise God. So this is... That when we begin to understand the position of prayer, God is our Father and we are in His family. The Bible goes on to say in Luke chapter 11 where we were reading in verse 13, if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more shall the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Praise God. Do you know what the greatest of the blessing of Abraham is that the Spirit of God lives inside of you as believers. This, If you read Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, you'll begin to understand that the blessing is that the Spirit of God is already in you and you already have the blessings of God. You're not trying to get them. Amen. You're already blessed because the Spirit is in you. The Spirit of Christ is in you and you're blessed on the inside. And you know what? We're not trying to get these things. All we're trying to do is release what's already been given to us in Christ. Praise God. And when you begin to understand this, it completely changes the way that you live your life. Amen? So our position of prayer is that God is our Father and we're in His family. The second thing I want to talk to you about as we look at this Scripture in Ephesians chapter 3 is the power of prayer. Notice what he goes on to say as we read in verse 16. He says that you might be strengthened with might according to His Spirit in the inner man. We might say that you might be strengthened with the mighty ability of the Holy Spirit. How many of you are glad that we have the ability of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us? Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, But you shall receive power, special, wonderful, miracle, working ability, the power of God after the Holy Ghost comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Witness us unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Thank God we are not helpless. We're not hopeless. We have the power of God. We have the ability of the Holy Spirit. Somebody came in my, my office the other day and they said, we want you to know that we're a hopeless case. I'm a hopeless case. And I said, no, you are not hopeless. If you're hopeless, quit wasting my time. And the person with them said, but you don't understand. They are hopeless. I said, no, they're not hopeless. That was a very short counseling session. We found out if I counsel people, it's not good for church growth. So I try to try not to counsel people. Praise God. Amen. And Andrew preached this and I was preaching it one day. He said, get your thumb out of your mouth, grow up and get over it. So I was in church one Sunday and I preached, Andrew preached this, we ought to write a book on it. Get your thumb out of your mouth, get over it and grow up. And after I said it, I had this lady come to me and she said, Pastor, you should really watch, watch what you say. That could hurt somebody's feelings. And so she went out. 
about three weeks later, somebody came in my office. They had an appointment. And this lady came in and she said, you said something the other day. And it has literally transformed my life. It's really helped me. And she got her purse and she pulled it out, out this little note. Get your thumb out of your mouth. Grow up and get over it. It's all in the perception. Amen. You got the ability of God on the inside of you. The creator of the universe, the Lord of eternity, has taken up residence on the inside of you. You need to begin to realize who's living in you. Praise God. If you begin to realize and understand that, it's going to completely change the way that you live your life. He says that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. So what's the power? You're strengthened with the, the power of the Holy Spirit. The second thing is that Christ has taken up permanent residence on the inside of you. He's taken up residence. Jesus is living on, in, on the inside of me. If you're born again, Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe, is living on the inside of you. He's dwelling there. He's taken up His personal residence on the inside of you. Well, if you realize this, it'll change how you live your life. And as you look at this, he says that Christ, I want you to turn with me to a scripture here in John chapter 17. This is Jesus again. And Jesus is praying, first of all, for his disciples. And then he begins to pray, not only for his disciples, but those who would believe on him through the word of the disciples. That's us. Jesus is praying for us. This is John 17, verse 20 to verse 23. And he makes this statement. He says, neither do I pray for these alone, but for those also which shall believe on me through their word. How many of you believed on Jesus through a disciple's word? He says that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. When you begin to understand that Jesus is in God and we're in Christ, what happened when you got born again, ultimately, is that you got in Christed. You got placed in Christ. Amen? And God did in Christ what He wanted to do in every man. You're either in Christ or you're out of Christ. And if you're in Christ, you have everything that you need. If you're out of Christ, you need to get born again. Amen? You need to believe on Jesus. And so, when, when you got placed in Christ, He says that they may be one, that the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory which you gave me. I love this message that Daniel was sharing the other day about the glory of God. In fact, I've shared that from Second Chronicles 5 for a number of years in my teaching on Bible covenants. But I said, what were they rejoicing about? They were rejoicing in Second Chronicles chapter 5 because the, the, the uh, covenant, the Ark of the Covenant had taken its proper place in the tabernacle. That's what they were celebrating. And when you begin to understand that when you're born again, you are the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit and you've been born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God that's living and abiding forever, that the glory is resident on the inside of you. You don't have to wait till you have goosebumps, praise God. You've got the glory of God on the inside of you. Jesus said this, the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. And he then he makes this statement in verse 23, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect or complete in one, that the world may know that you sent me and has loved them as you have loved me. 
When you get God inside minded and begin to recognize that Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe, the creator of the universe, and God Himself has taken up residence on the inside of you. Did you know what? The world can be... And and when you begin to understand how much God loves you, and it's not about your performance, it's not about your works, it's not about your good deeds. Did you know what? You'll begin to love other people. The Bible says this, that the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost that's given... To you, Did you know what? Love is part of our nature. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. And you'll begin to love other people and the world will begin to see the, the God that lives on the inside of you that the world may know that you have loved them as you have loved me. What completely... What he's, this is the power of prayer. The Spirit that indwells you, that Christ dwells in your heart by faith. Then he goes on and says this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So he says, I want you to get rooted and grounded. I want you to get established in the love of God. More than anything in this Bible school, what I'm trying to do is trying to get people established in the love of God. Get people established in the grace of God. Did you know what? What we teach as a whole is not being communicated around the world. And it's really sad. But if you'll begin to understand the grace of God, it's the foundation of the gospel. And if you begin to understand the grace of God, the love of God for you, and if you get rooted and grounded and established in the love of God, it will begin to help you to understand who God really is. Did you know what? God has been accused of a lot of things that He hasn't done. There are a lot of people who do not know who the true God is. And did you know what? You can know the true and living God. And so He makes this statement that you being rooted and grounded in in love may, may be able to comprehend, to know, to come to experience. That word know there is talking about uh, experiential knowledge, epinosis. It's not just book knowledge. It's not just knowing about God. In a lot of places, you know what they're teaching is just about God. But we want people to know God. This is the goal of the gospel. Paul said that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. We want people to experience God for themselves. Do you know what? It's not for you just to know about the God that Andrew Womack's talking about or Pastor Lawson's talking about or somewhere else. What you need to know is you need to experience God for yourself. And when you experience God, to come to experience the love of God, which passes all knowledge, that all natural understanding, all book learning and knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is the power of prayer. Praise God. The position of prayer. God is my Father and I'm in His family. The power of prayer. The Spirit of God lives in you. Christ dwells in your heart by faith. You're getting established in the love of God and then you're beginning to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. You're beginning to understand the love of God for you that you may be filled with the fullness of God. See, when you begin to understand the love of God for you, it took me a number of years to really begin to understand the grace of God and the love of God. I was born again in 1972. I was eight years old. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1978 and began to understand who I was in Christ. I started my pastor in my first church in 1988. It wasn't until 1994 that I got a revelation of the grace of God. 
And did you know what? The revelation that I have of the grace of God and the love of God has completely changed how I live my life. Barbara says that I'm not even like living with the same person. And she says that not in a negative way, but in a very positive way. And did you know what? There are a lot of people, even that come to this school, that really don't understand the love of God. And do you know what? Our goal is for you to get a revelation of the grace of God. And there's only one way that you can get it. And that is if the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. It opens up your eyes to it. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. That's talking about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, right before where Barry was teaching yesterday. And did you know what? If the Holy Spirit doesn't give you a revelation of the love of God, you're not going to get it. Let me read this to you in a couple verses. Verse 18 in the message says, Take in the extravagant dimensions of God's love. <laughs> Did you know what? God's love is extravagant. I believe that God wants to bless you so much that it will embarrass you. Have you ever been embarrassed by the blessing of God? Woo! God's been good to me. Amen. I've been embarrassed by the blessing of God. Amen. Take in the extravagant dimensions of God's love, of Christ's love. When Barbara and I were driving over here the first day of the conference, did you know what? I said, honey, we're living the good life. The good life is in Christ. If you're born again, you're living the good life. You may need, may need to notify your brain of what's happening in your spirit, but you are living the good life. Amen? The good life is in Christ. You know, I read this book when I was a teenager by T.L. Osborne called The Good Life. And when I read it, I thought, this is almost too good to be true. Do you know what that is? That's the true gospel. It's the good life. Take in the extravagant dimensions of God's love for you. He goes on to say, and he says, and to know the love of Christ in verse 19. Now, in the new century, it says to know that love and to be Filled with all the fullness of God. When you begin to experience and have a revelation of the love of God, you'll just get full of God. You can't help, you know, when you begin to understand love, it just flows out of you. It just, do you know what? It just gets on everybody around. You're, you're not trying, you know, I don't try to be this way. It just, just comes out of me. Amen? When, you begin, when you've experienced it, praise God, it just... It's like the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine wherein there's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Yeah. Do you know what? When you've been drinking at the well, the fountain where the Holy Ghost comes out, they called it new wine in the New Testament for a reason. And people can tell. When you haven't been, they can tell that too. <laughs> Praise God. Wycliffe says this in verse 19. He says that you might be filled with all the plenty of God. Everybody say, I've got plenty of God. The fullness. See, the Bible says this in Colossians 2 verse 9 and verse 10. The fullness of Godhead bodily dwelleth in our Lord and we are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and authority. It says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. It is God who works in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. It says in Romans chapter 8 verse 9. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, then he is none of His. Is. Right? We're filled with the fullness of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost have taken up residence on the inside of us. So, number one, we're talking about the position of prayer. God is my Father and I'm in His family. 
Number two, we're talking about the power of prayer. We're strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Christ is dwelling on the inside of us. We're rooted and grounded in love and we're beginning to understand the love of God for us. And when you begin to understand that, you're going to be filled with God. Now, the last thing I want to talk about really briefly, and I'll take about two minutes to do it. In verse 20, it says this, Now, unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church throughout all ages of the world without end. Praise God, unto Him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. I want to read this to you in the Amplified. It says, super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. That's the, that's the potential of prayer. He's able to do super abundantly, far above anything that we can even think, ask, hope, or desire, even dream according to the power that works in us. Again, what power is working in us? It's the power of the Word of God. We've been born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. It's the power of the Spirit of Christ. The same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of us. Thirdly, it's the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Paul says this in Romans 15 verse 19. He says, Through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, I have fully preached the gospel. Amen? From the eastern end to the western end of the Roman Empire. Did you know what? You haven't fully preached the gospel until you're demonstrating the gospel in the power of the Spirit. We're talking about, amen, the potential of prayer. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything that we can ask or think. Now, my conclusion is this, real brief. When you understand who God is, when you understand who you are in Christ and what He's called you to, And when you understand what God has invested in you in Christ, when you understand the love of God, you're going to have no problem flowing in the power of God. Amen? We love you. Have a great day. We're so glad that you're here. Praise the Lord. Lawson is a blessing. Sure appreciate them letting us use this facility again. What a great deal that is. He gets a little bit excited. But you know what? We got a lot to be excited about. Thank you, Jesus.